Welcome to Spirit School. I'm your mentor, Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. In this podcast, I share honestly all I have learned about the mediumship and spiritual development journey. My intention is to normalize these conversations, to make way for a more confident, clear, and connected wave of lightworkers, serving the world of spirit with an open and joyful soul. Welcome again to Spirit School. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spirit School. I hope you are having a wonderful month of August so far, and I'm excited to bring you a podcast episode today, which is around the regurgitated myths around mediumship. Now, this is something that I first became aware of mistakenly and looked deeper into it. And I'm just going to give you an example here in a second. I wanted to premise too by saying a lot of what I'm going to be talking about, in fact, most of what I'm going to be talking about actually comes from my Instagram audience. I posted it in my stories two weeks ago. What are some of the myths around mediumship that maybe you once believed or you still believe that you just don't feel 100% sure about? The truth is we are walking through this life having experiences that help formulate our beliefs and our beliefs are our choices. They are typically formed based off of how we experience life and how we perceive them and different things that we hear. For me personally, looking back at my path, I first became aware of mediumship when I was about 14 years old, when I was watching Sylvia Brown and John Edwards on TV. And I know I've said this a thousand times, but I read every one of Sylvia Brown's books while I was in high school. I just assumed everything that she said was the ultimate truth. I didn't question it in any way. There were some things that really scared me that she said, especially some things that she talked about, people who crossed themselves over and all that type of stuff. And I will say that as I am a working professional medium now, I know that she was wrong on a lot of things. (laughs) But I wasn't all that discerning back then, right? I just kind of believe this woman clearly knows what she's talking about. She speaks the ultimate truth. And it wasn't until about 20 years later, when I was a working professional medium myself, I was like, hey, that's not the truth. That's not the case. That's not the experience I just had. The other thing I want to premise about this episode is I am not the gatekeeper nor holder of the ultimate truth around mediumship either. So the questions were asked through my Instagram audience, through the stories that I did. And then I just went live for half an hour and I got a couple more really great ones. I'm just going to speak to you my truths based off of my lived experiences in doing this work. So what my role is here is just sharing my experiences and sharing what I am choosing to believe at this very moment based off of those experiences. And if you've been following me for long enough, I always do recommend that you stay flexible in your beliefs because you might hold a belief very strongly and firmly now, but as you experience more, you might start to question some of those beliefs and those beliefs may change, pivot, or expand. So give yourself the freedom to be changeable on some of the beliefs that you have. Know that as you move along life, things will likely expand for you. So today is August 2nd, 2022. 10 years from now, I will likely have a very different response to all of these questions based off of the things that occur for me between now and then. 
just keep that in mind as I'm moving along. You'll know a truth that resonates with you. You'll get a hit, spirit bumps. You'll feel a solar plexus expansion. There's different ways that you can indicate for yourself when you hear something that feels truthful for you. And I don't expect that everything I say is going to land with everyone. But here we go anyway. So this is a bit Q&A. Hopefully you find it interesting. would love to hear your thoughts on it through Spirit School. You can join the free Spirit School space, link below, off social media. An amazing time. Over 500 people there now. Lots of fun stuff. By the time you listen to this, we'll be on day two. But we're actually doing a free Sitting in the Power week in that space. So not too late to join. You can hop in when you're ready, catch the replay from whenever. It's always going to be there. It's not going to be taken down. Hope to see you there. What I wanted to also premise this with is my experience around this. I'm not going to name names because this isn't a blame and shame type experience. It's like we do the best with what we know. I do believe that. Everyone's trying to do their best. Everyone's trying to be helpful. Not a lot of people can understand or see the harm that can be created because not everyone is going to be harmed or offended by it, right? That's very nuanced as well and very individualistic. But one of the things that I consistently and constantly heard in my development from almost every teacher I ever studied under was you shouldn't do readings for six months after someone passes. Now, I heard a whole bunch of different reasons why this might be true. Some of the reasons were the spirit has to learn to communicate when they're on the other side. They don't know how to communicate with us right away. I heard that. I also heard the sitter's level of grief may be too deep to make a clear connection to the world of spirit. And I will say there is a little bit of truth to that if you are not fully yet in your confidence in your work. But as I have moved along my path, that became less and less true for me. So a belief again that was expanded and kind of reformulated based off of lived experiences. What started happening for me as I was doing professional readings was I would be connecting in with the spirit. And this actually just happened two weeks ago where the person said, oh yeah, that's my friend. They just passed two weeks ago. Huh, super cool. Did a demonstration in 2020 before lockdown happened. And I remember one of the connections I made was with this woman who had lost someone close to her and they had just passed like a month ago. These are just two experiences, but it actually happens all the time. I didn't even have a chance to reiterate my policies or say, you know, you have to wait six months to get a session because of X, Y, Z. When I found in the moment that, wow, yeah, spirit knows how to communicate right away. I actually last year had a spirit come to me even before they were declared deceased or passed. And so I know that they know how to communicate right away. Sometimes the spirit will come through not as clear communicators, but that's actually evidential that maybe in life they were not good communicators, right? Not necessarily, oh, they're just like not a great communicator. They're not speaking clearly to me. I can't hear them clearly. That actually might be something. That might be the fact that they were not great communicators in this life. This is just an example of something that I have heard regurgitated over and over and over again through all my years of developing mediumship and there isn't a whole lot of truth to it. Now I will say where there may be some experience here is the mediumship connection is a three-way link, spirit, us, and our sitter. And the quality of a session is really determined on that three-way link. Like how does the sitter show up in their energy? How do I show up that day in my energy? And I truly believe that the world of spirit's energy is always ripe and ready to go. 
the quality of a session is really a combination of that three-way link and how powerful and clear that link is. So if somebody who's really skeptical comes, arms crossed, like clearly closing up their energy, that reading for a reader will be a bit of a struggle because they're clearly not an open channel for that. In some ways, yes, that deep level of grief may be a barrier to a clear connection, but I'm also here to tell you that early in my days that actually freaked me out and I had to tell the world of spirit, I can't work with people in really deep and fresh states of grief. I don't know how to work in that energy. As my confidence built, right? This was all a me thing. This was all an inner world thing. But as my confidence built, I could start working with people who are experiencing deeper states of grief than I hope to experience in my life. I won't go into details. Doesn't make any sense to you. Through me becoming a more confident light worker in my abilities and the connection with the world of spirit, I was absolutely able to connect clearly to the world of spirit despite the level of grief my sitter was going through. My belief now is very different than eight, nine years ago when I first started developing. This makes sense? Again, a lot of what I'm going to be speaking about today will likely be outdated in a couple of years as I have more experience. Be open to that for yourselves, okay? I know that truth is such a big, hot, buzzy word right now, but I've said it so many times on this podcast. There are multiple truths that can coexist in harmony at the same time. I do believe that to be very true. And that's my current belief on that. Let's get into some of your listeners, my Instagram audience, some of the beliefs that you heard and kind of questioned for yourself. The first one is this phrase that I have also heard through different spiritualist lectures, like Gordon Higginson lectures. I love Gordon Higginson. This is no diss to him. I still admire the pants off of his impact on the world of mediumship. One thing that was always said was, all mediums are psychics, but not all psychics are mediums. And I just blindly believed that too. I was like, well, damn, I'm glad I'm a medium then. I'm glad I don't have that barrier. I'm glad I didn't discover I was a psychic first. Oh my God, I wouldn't have been able to be a medium. A lot of scarcity there, a lot of either you're in or you're out. It's like this old boys club where it's like, well, either you're in or you're out. It's like super exclusive. I do not believe this in any way, by the way. I did blindly believe it because that's what we typically do before we're exposed to a whole bunch of different thoughts and philosophies around it. And you start to think for yourself and hear different perspectives and gather up your own beliefs around some of this stuff. This is one that actually doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what data they pulled from to come up with this phrase. I don't know what evidence was brought forward when this was initially breathed into the human sphere, but it definitely is something that I constantly heard in my development as well. And I have no evidence for you in the contrary, other than in my solar plexus, it does not sit right. So if you are someone who believes that this is the true case, I would love to hear from you because I'm totally open to different perspectives on this. But when I sit on it and contemplate it and reflect it, I'm like, how does this make any sense? You'll hear me say this time and time again, too. I do not believe our creator duck, duck, gooses us in the human sphere. It's like, you have it, you don't. You have it, you don't. You have it, you don't. I don't believe that. One of the other myths around mediumship that ties into this that came up today in my Instagram Live was 
Does everyone have the gift of mediumship? Yes, absolutely. We are all made up of the same stuff. We are all come from the same space. We all return to that same space. I do believe that. I believe we all have the gift to connect with the divine, connect with the other side. And should we be willing to be a clear channel for the other side to help others discover their own connection with the other side? Yes. But there's a difference between gifts and abilities. I believe we all are born and come in with this gift without a doubt. But I do believe that it takes time, experience, and development to turn these gifts into abilities that can make an impact for humanity and everything beyond. So, yeah, I do believe everyone has the gift. And I've seen it so many times. I mean, I've helped mentor at least over a thousand mediumship students by now even the initiation program this is going to be my sixth time running it in september doors open august 13th by the way wait list below but i've at least helped a thousand people through the initiation and my private mentorship containers and mediumship and i see it all the time people coming in saying i don't think i can do this i don't have any experiences you hear these great origin stories you know i've been speaking to spirits since i was a little kid, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have anything like that. Could I do this? Well, let's try. The fact that you're interested is obviously a postmark from your soul saying, hello, this is available to you. Do you want to look into this path? Do you want to answer this call? And you could divinely say no, or you can divinely say yes. I can tell you that I can look back on my life in hindsight. Isn't that such a blessing? That there have been a few times the world of spirit has brought the path of mediumship into my awareness, and I never jumped on the path, right? That was my divine free will choice. My life probably would have looked a little bit different if I had had, but I have no regrets in my life. And so I hopped on it at the absolute perfect time. But the fact that mediumship is even in your awareness is a sign from your soul that you should get curious about that. And then going through practice and experience, you'll be able to start to build confidence that, hey, I actually think this is something. So there's that one. The other one that kind of ties into the first one, which I read wrong, but also makes sense because I used to hear this in a Gordon Higginson lecture. I used to go to sleep listening to Gordon Higginson lectures every night, 2013, 2014. I absolutely loved his style of teaching and I loved his charisma. I loved his style of lecturing. I think he did do a lot of impact for the world of mediumship in a very positive way. Despite what I'm about to say, which might sound a little bit critical, it was just something that kind of triggered me in my early years where he said, look, either you're born a medium or you're not. I can't help you if you're not born a medium. And I remember how that made me feel. I remember feeling like, well, shoot, dang, I might not be a medium after all. Dang it. Am I being delusional right now? And I remember thinking I wasn't quite in the club yet. Of course, as I move through and I start teaching and start seeing people's experiences who have had no prior spiritual experiences, be able to connect mediumistically to bring through healing and evidence that life continues has blown my mind and has blown that belief right out of the water. Based off of my lived experience as a teacher and mentor and as a medium, I believe we are all born with the divine connection to hear and communicate with the divine world. So there's that. Can everyone develop their own mediumship abilities? 
Absolutely. I absolutely believe that with enough time, attention, practice, care, 110%, I believe that we all can, but not everyone will. And this is something I was trying to explain on my Instagram live today around this to you is like, do I believe that my skeptical slash cynical husband who doesn't believe in an afterlife could be a medium and develop mediumship? Absolutely. If he wants to like sit in the power and practice and just see what some of these thoughts and emotions are that are moving through him, maybe they're not all his. And maybe he wants to be provided an experience to pass along a healing message for somebody. Absolutely. I think that that would be possible for him. Was he interested in that? No. And I tell you, there are probably more people alive today with no conscious awareness of mediumship in this life. And that's just not their path. That's just not part of their dharma. So do I believe that everyone can? Yes. Do I believe everyone will? Absolutely not. One of the other questions that came through the stories was, I know people who do this for a living say they can turn it off and on. Is that how it works for you? Yes, I will say in my personal lived experience, there has only been three times that I can recall that spirit was ever pushy and really making me, there's no better way to say this, pass along a message for somebody. So in nine years, that has happened only three times to me. And one time was really funny and a really humbling experience because I was doing a moon circle, which was actually the first time I was ever teaching in my entire life. I would write out my guided visualizations like super Virgo styles. I was just so dang nervous. I could feel the presence of a mom near me. And I was like, I don't do that. I don't do drive-by stuff. Just have them book in with me. Like, I don't do that type of stuff. I remember my eyesight going away. I looked down at my paper and I couldn't see the words. My whole body went really hot. And it was almost comical in a way, to be honest with you. My whole nervous system just like completely activated and my sight went away. It was like, you cannot pass go. You must deliver this message. And so I said to this group of like 10 women, Again, not in my confidence back then. And I said to have this mom here. She feels very apologetic. Da, da, da. I won't get into too many details for privacy. And she has this apology she wants to say. Does anyone understand this? No one put up their hand. It was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Something like that would not embarrass me now. But back then, when I was still building my confidence in this, I was like, oh, yeah, it was totally humiliating for me. So, of course, after I had three people come up to me saying, oh, that was for me, that was for me. And it actually really annoyed me that that happened. But as I started doing demonstrations, I found out that that was more common than not, that people wouldn't claim their spirit until after the experience. Because they're shy, they're embarrassed. Like, I get it. I totally, totally get it. It's quite intimate and personal, which is also why I'm not on outside of my sessions, because I am a trauma-aware entrepreneur. I've been trauma aware for a very long time, even before I got into mediumship as an indigenous health and healing. So I have committed to trying to be a trauma informed and trauma aware person. So doing readings when people aren't expecting them is not trauma aware because the truth is we don't know where people are at in their healing journey. So I choose not to be on when I'm out and about for that reason, because I am somebody who was blindsided by reading from somebody who's very well known, and it wasn't a pleasant experience for me in any way. 
That was really early on for me. That was 2016. Since then, I've been really devoted to not doing that and not being on when I'm out and about. I have so many boundaries. I'm naturally boundaried. This isn't something that I've had to deal with a lot in my practice, being overwhelmed by the world of spirit. Thank God, to be honest with you. And I do know that there are a lot of people who say that their lived experience with this is that they are constantly surrounded by spirit. And I just have to say that's not mine. I'm not discrediting or devaluing their experiences. I can only speak and teach based off of what I've personally experienced or what I have seen some of my clients that have permission to share their experiences with. I think you can turn it on and off. Absolutely. I'm just going to say this. I feel that people stay on to be a bit showy. Not everyone, but I have seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot in different classes that I've taken. The experience I had, I felt like this person was showing off to me. So sometimes I wonder what the motivation is because I feel like there has to be some sort of divine permission to be accessed in this way. There is a permission granted. So what is the intention? What is the reason behind being on all the time? You know? So I just think about that. And hopefully nobody's upset about me saying that, but that's what I see out there. And I'm just going to call it out. The next question is thoughts on psychic residue loop versus haunted location. Now, I love this question. I don't have the dead set one and all answer around this because I am still up in the air about how I feel about earthbound spirits, ghosts. I totally believed for a very long time to the point where I actually became a professional paranormal investigator for four years. <laughs> I wanted to experience it. I loved Most Haunted as a teenager. The first time I got to travel as an adult, I went to Chillingham Castle, which was the location of the first ever Most Haunted episode. I had every VHS box set of Most Haunted. I was in it. There was nothing that led me to disbelieve in paranormal activity or ghosts. I wanted to believe. But then as a paranormal investigator for four years, almost every weekend spending time at a supposed haunted location, we never got anything. We would have a medium go around and be like, yeah, okay, I feel like this is activity is actually like, you know, uncle. My job was to validate what the medium was bringing through. And we were always able to validate and bring some peace to the homeowners and the business owners of the places we visited on something that was evidential about what was going on in their place. So I started to kind of waver in my belief around earthbound spirits. And then it was actually a Mavis Patilla workshop I did in 2016 that she started her class with, you do not need to do house clearings. There are no earthbound spirits. And I tell you, my jaw hit the ground. <laughs> I remember being so disturbed by that. I called my mentor that night, which I never did. I never pushed boundaries like that. But I said, look, we got to talk. What did she mean? It really started to waver because again, back in 2016, I still wasn't in my discerning phase as much. I was still kind of like what we're talking about, just kind of blindly believing what other people say. But that really leaned me into the opposite of not believing in them. But I have been to places where you have felt the energy of what has transpired there. So if you go into a home, I remember one of my best friends who I lived with when we were younger. I didn't know how psychic I was back then, but I could feel the energy of this woman who had passed away, not in the home, but she was the previous homeowner and she had passed away. And we knew that because her husband was so distraught, he left all her belongings behind, like even her wedding dress. And so we had to clear all that out. So I knew that I had preconceived knowledge of that. 
but I could feel her presence. But it wasn't her. She wasn't like stuck there. It was intelligent. It was two-way. It was kind of beautiful in its own way as well. So I have had experiences of picking up this residual energy of being in that space and all those years of paranormal investigating, we would all feel an energetic shift in that space. And anyone who goes to a historic site like, you know, Gettysburg or where the Twin Towers were or, you know, where Holocaust Memorial Center was, you can feel the energy of that. That is kind of what that psychic residue loop is that we're talking about versus the haunted location. So here's where I'm at today. And this is going to sound so silly, but I had Aboriginal medium Sean Leonard on my podcast. He's a good friend of mine. He's a huge inspiration of mine. We talk all the time. He is just one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. But he has physical evidence that there are haunted locations. So by way of him and by way of the evidence that he has brought forth, which are recordings that he's gotten on EVP of his guide talking to this earthbound spirit in a jail cell in Halifax. I do believe it. I just haven't personally experienced it, nor do I want to, to be honest with you. So I'm kind of back into the middle ground of, oh, I trust him. I do trust him. But who knows? Maybe I'll feel differently in five years. So this is the most confusing way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> it hasn't been my experience. But based off of the experience of someone I really do trust and somebody I hold in the highest of regards in this craft, and the evidence that they have brought through, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe there is, but maybe it's a lot less frequent than we may have thought 20, 30 years ago when these ghost shows were like super popular. Remember Paranormal State? Oh my God, I had the biggest crush on that guy <laughs> from Paranormal State. And I used to watch Chip Coffee's show on Psychic Kids and stuff. Like I loved these shows and I really did want to believe. I just didn't have any personal experiences on my own. But why wouldn't there be? Why would we have this belief just kind of floating around if it wasn't true to some extent? Next one is my dad believes it's just tricks from the devil. And that's his belief and that's his choice, right? So this is again the premise of the philosophy behind an episode like this. Our beliefs are our choices. That belief must improve his quality of life for him to be able to hold on to it. And that's what I want to say that when I'm assessing what I believe, how do I feel living with this belief? Does this improve, enhance my quality of life or does it make a detriment to my quality of life? And that's actually how I choose what beliefs I hold on to and which ones I let go of. We can't change other people's beliefs for them. Just trust in a very compassionate way that this belief that he has somehow improves his quality of life. It doesn't mind but it obviously does his. So this one came through and I didn't quite know how to answer this one. I know this person, I know she's going to be listening and we'll probably have a really great conversation around this. I just don't know if I'm going to do it justice on this episode today where they talk about, I don't have this belief anymore, but I always thought that mediums identified as being spiritual. Now, it is true. There are mediums out there who have no connection to any organized religion that's me hand up even spiritualism like i'm not part of any organized religion or faith in any way shape or form but there are mediums out there who are not focused on their own spirituality 
their own spiritual involvement or spiritual growth. That's not a focus of their energy intention. It's just this kind of cool thing that they can do. So there's a huge spectrum out there of how spiritual or how deep into some spirituality they will go as being a working medium. And there's no rule book. There's no governing body. There's no hard and fast rules in this work on who can do what. But the truth is, I do believe that every working medium out there has their ideal client for them. So it very well may be we need mediums out there with no spiritual interest and no interest in spiritually evolving themselves, but being able to be a channel for the divine, right? Maybe they're missing something. I don't know. But there will be people who need to sit with a medium with that belief because that's where they're at too. The people who are drawn to me, it's because there's something in them that is very similar to what's in me that they're drawn to and attracted to because like attracts like. So we can't have all mediums out there being spiritualists and we can't have all mediums out there being super highly woo-woo. We can't have all mediums out there being one type because look at the vast array of people that we serve. So there are going to be different mediums from many different walks of life and many different backgrounds and contexts because we need to be of service to all of humanity if possible. So yeah, it makes sense to me why there would be some mediums out there who have no interest in spiritually evolving. I'm not saying that in any judgmental way. It's obviously how it needs to be. That's how I feel and I see it. One of the other things that came up was you need to study practice for years to actually connect with spirit unless born with it. The second part born with it, I've already covered, but I also believed this for a long time. You got to pay your dues, right? You got to pay your dues. It took this long. And I do talk about realistically how long it took me to develop to step into the public space that had nothing to do with my connection with the divine that had nothing to do with my abilities and mediumship that had everything to do with my confidence and being seen in this work and that's what took the longest to heal my stage fright the fear of judgment of others and the fear of being wrong that took me four years the first time I sat down and my teacher said to me, what do you see? What do you hear? I brought through a name and a person and a passing. First try. But the next time I went to go do it, I got on my way. I got scared. I started second guessing and then the human experience started to come up with it. So I do believe, and this is the way that I teach mediumship, that a large part of mediumship development is actually in our healing of our human it's building confidence within ourselves. It's healing things that have happened to us leading up until this point that keep us from being the most connected and clear channel for the world of spirit. For me, it was stage fright and confidence. Everyone's going to have their own thing. But what I teach in the initiation is not just the techniques and skills to connect in with the divine. And there's a lot of that, but it's also looking at your human experience and honoring the path that has led you up until this very moment. And how do we see them? How do we see that aspect of ourselves so that we can be the clearest channel for the world of spirit, which is actually quite easy to connect in with the world of spirit. And I'm sure that even mediums who have some experience can reverse engineer this in their minds right now. Yeah, actually a lot of my development journey was actually just spent getting over being wrong <laughs> or looking a fool. And that has nothing to do with the connection with the divine and everything to do with 
harmonizing our human experience? So this is a really great question. I don't have a loved one I'm trying to connect with, so mediumship isn't for me. Yeah, okay, so I had a reading I did for somebody just a month or two ago who actually didn't have anyone in the spirit world that they could connect in with. Her cat came through. She did have a cat and a great-grandmother that came through. And so there is usually always someone that we can connect in on because we come from a long lineage of people. One of my most frustrating readings I'd ever had in my life was somebody who sat in front of me who only wanted to connect in with a relative that they had never met and couldn't validate anything about. As a medium, of course, we're evident. All of us are evidential mediums. I don't even think we have to say I'm an evidential medium because mediumship is evidential by definition. (laughs) All mediumship has evidence to it, or at least should. I think that messages are also very important, equally important as evidence. And that's the way that I teach as well. But it was like really sticky and hard. It still worked. I was still able to bring up things that made sense. I just kind of leaned into what can the world of spirit bring through that's current in their life, right? But the balance here is I could also pick that stuff up psychically as well. But I know the discernment between psychic and mediumship for me. So the truth of the matter is I do have a lot of people who have passed in spirit, but I don't have a deep need for mediumship because I know where they are. I know I can access them anytime. I know they're proud of me. I know they love me. I don't have any lingering pain or things that need to be closed up. A lot of mediumship is healing because we're able to say things that didn't get said in time or what they're able to reflect on now with their higher perspective from the spirit world. So the need of mediumship is part of that magic when I talk about that three-way link, the sitter, us, and spirit. The need that the sitter comes in with is part of that palpability. It's part of that strengthening of that connection for us as mediums. So readings are typically easier for us as mediums when there's a deep need, but there isn't always that need. I'm actually a hard person to read for mediumistically because I don't have a deep need for mediumship. So that is something to be said. But I do believe because we do have ancestral lineages, even if you don't have somebody in your immediate surrounding who has passed, we still have our relations, our ancestral lineage that has gone home before us. So we can definitely tune into that. That is what I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you learned something and were able to take away something from this. And if you are interested in following your own curiosities with mediumship development, I am running the initiation again, which is my Mediumship Foundations experience, where I teach everything I wish I knew in my first three years of mediumship development. So there's a big self-study portion to this, but there's also a lot of live portion to this. We do five live classes together, which is basically structured off of the questions that you guys ask in the community. It's very custom catered to the group that signs up. But then I have a part of the course that just never changes, like sitting in the power. Here's how you sit in the power. Here's my philosophy on leading yourself out of sticky situations. Here's what I have to say about messages. Here's how you connect in with names, or here's how you connect in with places, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a self-study portion which also includes the language of spirit, which is about the Claire's, but a lot of it is live and interactive and engaging. It's an off social media community that it's hosted on. You get access to me. So any question that comes up, 
You're free to ask. I will answer. So will some other people with experience. And then we have five live classes together and a Q&A together. It's a fun experience. I've had so many people go through it. The wait list is up. The doors open August 13th. We start in September. Part of my commitment to be trauma aware as an entrepreneur is having those really long cart opens, having flexible payment arrangements. I'm keeping the course under $1,000. I am told it is worth four times that, but I am committed to making Spirit School offerings accessible to many. So go check it out if you're interested. If you want to save $111, get on the wait list, link below. I don't do early bird sales. I don't like the energy of them, but I do offer a discount to people who are so excited, so eager that they want to hop on the wait list. You also get a discount if you're in my membership. Okay, I love you guys. Have a good week and I'll see you on the next episode. Did you know that Spirit School is not just a podcast? It's an actual school. If you go to myspiritschool.com, you can invest in self-study courses, live programs, and of course, the Spirit School Collective, my baby, my monthly membership community. All Spirit School offerings are intended to get you feeling clear, confident, and connected to your spiritual path, your development journey, and of course, connected to other spiritual curious souls who are having similar experiences to you. I hope to see you in Spirit School.